Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly, and this week we chat with Grammy Award-winning DJ and producer David Guetta, who has sold millions of singles and albums worldwide and was recently named the number one DJ for 2020 by DJ Mag. We also chat with his guitar player, Pierre Le Criou, who hails from Montreal, Canada, and has worked not only with David Guetta, but with Usher, Mary J. Blige, Celine Dion, Katy Perry, and Lady Gaga, just to name a few. Our music editor Sharon Hyland pops by to discuss Wolfgang Van Halen, the future of his dad's band, and the group Suspect 208, who happen to be comprised of three guys who have very famous dads. Slash from GNR, Robert from Metallica, and Scott Weiland from Stone Temple Pilots. Like us on Facebook, Kelly Alexander Show. Super excited to welcome Grammy Award winning DJ and producer David Guetta, who has sold millions of albums and singles right around the world. David, thank you so much for hanging out. Well, thank you for having me. I love your smile and your positivity. I love this. Thank you. Well, I have so many questions to ask you. I'm going to try to get this done in the 10 minutes that we're allowed. But I have to start off by saying like you have you got quite a birthday gift uh, recently by winning uh, or becoming again the number one DJ in 2020 from DJ Mag. What does that mean for you to get this honor again from from such a prestigious like DJ publication? Yeah, it's it's incredible. Uh, almost 10 years after being number one, I'm I'm back at it, and it makes me even happier this time. You know, it's it's really crazy, and um, uh, this is showing me that you know people appreciate efforts, and uh, you know um, last year. I really dedicated my entire year to the DJ culture. I, I was not trying to make radio hits or anything like this. I, I really, I created, together with my friend Morten, we created this new sound called Future Rave, and that is really dedicated to DJs. And um, we're trying to change the festival sound, and, and it's been a very big success. It's, it's becoming a movement. And I don't know, just to see that, you know, it's like being in love with someone, you know, when you say I love you to a person, it's nice when she says I love you back. You know, <laughs> so this is this is really the same feeling, you know, it was like, OK, I, I gave a lot and and people showed me that the appreciation. And of course, it's 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 wonderful. It's a big honor. And it's, it was such a crazy weekend because imagine weekend of my birthday, I got a number one DJ mag. I got uh, Best Electronic Act at MTV Music Award, and, and my record, Let's Love with Sia, went to number one in the U.S. in the DJ charts. So I was like, whoa, this, this, is, uh, this is a nice birthday, you know? That's amazing. Now, I have to ask you about your collaboration with Sia because, first of all, this is not your first kick of the can. You guys have done this a bunch of times. What is the magic between David Guetta and Sia that keeps creating worldwide hits? Well, I don't know. First, she's the best. That's the first reason. She's a little genius. She writes her own songs, which is something that I love uh, because I'm I'm uh, completely fascinated by songwriters. And, uh, you know, we made that song in confinement and she was stuck in L.A. I was stuck in Miami and everything was so depressing. You know, I, I texted her. I said, listen, the world needs a happy song. Can we make a happy song about going through this together and not against each other when everyone is like pointing fingers, there's like so much pressure between communities, between countries, you know, social pressure, racial pressure, you know, it's really a, a terrible moment. And that was the inspiration behind this this record. And I'm 
We're just trying to spread love all over the world. Well, it's working. We love playing it at the radio station at Virgin here in Montreal. And I wanted to ask you a little bit. I know you've been to Montreal before. What do you feel about your Montreal fans? Because I think Montreal just has a special vibe to it. Listen, I miss Montreal so much. I used to come all the time. Uh, I had so many friends there. And, and um, I remember there was this, <laughs> there's this crazy restaurant that I used to always go to this restaurant and, and, get into a food coma I guess they had the best meat that I've ever had so yes I miss it very much um, and uh, it's been a while it's been a while I, I have some incredible memories there you know like <laughs> I remember playing the club and that it was so crazy so wild that the police came to stop the party because you know it was really out of control like I have like really good memories there Good. Well, we can't wait to have you back. And I have to ask you this, because I've been spinning your tunes on the radio station at Virgin, where I work, for years. And I love the fact that you not only know how to craft songs for festivals and, and DJ sets at clubs all around the world, but you craft radio hits, like the fact that we're playing Let's Love and we play it often. How is the David Guetta uh, mad scientist managed to do that and do radio hits at the same time on the same songs? Well, you know, like I start as a DJ. So my first goal was to make the people dance. And um, and then when I started to learn about a little more about music, because, you know, I'm not classically trained. So first I was just doing like drums and bass lines. And th this is all I cared about, you know. And I, uh, I got very lucky in my life because I met this guy, Chris Willis, that was by accident. I met him in a restaurant and... We became friends and we, I just asked him, like, what do you do for a living? He said, I'm a gospel singer. And, uh, you know, uh, every Sunday I give a show. So I was like, ah, oh, but come to the studio tomorrow. And, you know, I love making music. And I made Just a Little More Love, which is actually funny because this first record was, you know, uh, inspired by the, the Martin Luther King speech and and. And he's talking about exactly the same thing than Let's Love that I just did 20 years later now with Sia. You know, it's like I'm always this uh, uh, hippie trying to bring everyone together. And then from that moment, I started to get more interested in songwriting, you know. And instead of making beats and then trying to write on it, I started to study piano and chords. And, and then, you know, I was like, wow, this is also exciting, you know? And then for many years, this is what made me cross over. I was making records that could be played on the radio and in the clubs and in the festivals. And now this year I decided to stop doing this and go full, let's say into a more underground sound when it comes to the DJ sound and go full songwriting, pop, uh, uh, feel good, emotional type of songs, and uh, and I'm I'm happy like that, you know. It, 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 to have this freedom, you know, not to be in a box and being obliged to do a certain thing. You've accomplished so much over your career. What makes David Guetta get up in the morning and want to go keep kicking out dance music? Imagine, like after all those years, you know, I can't even wait to wake up in the morning. This is this. I'm going to tell you a true story. So I went to bed at two in the morning 
and I had a dream and I got so excited that I woke up and I started, uh, I started to make dance music at five in the morning for two hours and I went back to sleep. So this is, if you're asking me if I'm still passionate about it, I think this answers you. It does. Now, I know we're running out of time, but I did just want to ask you a couple of quick questions so that your fans here in Montreal can get a little taste of David Guetta. What's your favorite cheat meal? Um, chocolate cake. The fondant. The <laughs> chocolate fondant. I don't know if you have this in... in... We got it. Cool. So, um, You've worked with so many artists. Usher, Nicki Minaj, B.B. Rexa, Jason Derulo. Is there somebody still in top 40 land that you would love to record with? Well, in reality, you know, that there are many artists, uh, but the dream is to find new people. When I started to work with Sia, she was not the superstar she is today. Same with Nicki Minaj. You know, uh, on my last album, I worked with Saweetie. She was not famous yet, you know, and that's the best feeling when you discover someone and you're like, whoa, you know, that's... So if you're asking... For real, what's my dream artist? My dream artist would be a new Sia that we don't know. If for somebody who's listening right now who thinks they could be the new Sia, like, what advice would you give to them? Like, how do they get David Guetta's attention? Send me a DM. <laughs> I love that. That's so good. And this is a tough question I'm going to ask you. If radio stations and streaming services could only play two David Guetta songs for the rest of time, what two David Guetta songs would you want them to play? Uh, definitely Titanium. I think this is probably uh, the record I'm the most proud of. Um, maybe it would be between I Got a Feeling and When Love Takes Over. Okay, cool. Awesome. And last question. Who's the coolest person in your phone apart from your family and friends that you can just call or text right away? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sure uh, you have a lot of cool people in your phone. <laughs> yeah, I have a few ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know. I don't know. I wish. Who? I don't know. I, I have that, that. You take me a little bit off guard. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay, that's all good. Um, and just a final message for your Montreal fans before I let you go. Well, Montreal, um, today I saw good news that a vaccine is coming soon. So get ready because 2021 is uh, going to be the biggest party of all time in the history of mankind. And I'm coming for you with big weapons. Awesome. David, it's such a pleasure to speak to you. I love you so much. Thank you so much for doing this. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on The Kelly Alexander Show now is our music editor, Sharon Highland. Hello, Sharon. Hey, Kel. How are you? Fantastical. I'm not sure if that's a word, but I'm using it. Um, Go for it. Say it with conviction. Mean it. Live it, Kelly. Exactly. So, so much to talk about. And I know that we discussed, I guess, the preliminary parts of this weeks ago when we found out that um, Eddie Van Halen had passed away. And now it's been, I feel like, a month or just over a month, something like that. And now we find out that his son, Wolfgang, uh, recently appeared on Howard Stern's show and has sort of started mm -hmm. to let loose with, uh, I guess, plans, or not really plans, but where they're, they're standing now. And so the plan at the moment is that, without question, Van Halen is done. Yeah, and you know what? He's, he just happened to be the guy in the, in the seat taking the questions. I don't think the pressure's on him to uh, determine whether or not Van Halen will continue. Um, but, you know, by all accounts, there's no Van Halen without Eddie Van Halen. Exactly. Do you think any of them would even have contemplated this? Like, I know, like, I know it's not the same, but it no. is the same. And Okay. 
Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> not a, no, I don't really think so at all. I think, you know what, they're, not that uh, age has anything to do with it, but there's, they're near, uh, they're past uh, a certain point. I don't think that they're looking to stay uh, alive in a way that, uh, that popular music would have them, you know, uh, trying to stay in the game kind of thing. I think if they were to make music, they'd be making it for themselves. And I would even venture to say that, uh, their approach to music has always been that, that they've been making it for themselves. But I really don't think that uh, Alex, as the drummer, would be able to go on without his brother. The other variable, of course, is uh, who's singing with that band. Uh, it's somewhat contentious between uh, David Lee Roth and the rest of them. In the best possible way, I think that because they argue the uh, or their personalities may may conflict that great music has come out of that relationship. And uh, I know that Dave does other things like really cool other things. He's living his life with, uh, with purpose and with uh, intent. Uh, and I, I honestly don't think that the pressure would have ever been on uh, Wolfgang Van Halen to determine uh, the future of the band because he's got his own stuff as is, has, has been evidenced with uh, his new music. And he's always done his own thing. He just happened to be afforded this great opportunity to play bass in one of the best rock bands of all time. Can you talk to us a little bit about the new music and the new song that I know specifically was released? Well, we've talked about this uh, outside of this show, but the song is fantastic. It's called Distance. Um, it's evident that it's, uh, it's cathartic for him. It's um, healing. It's all the things that you would want after after losing a parent, losing a father. Uh, and everybody has different relationships with their parents, that's for sure. But what we've uh, been able to witness with the video that accompanies this song is um, is a great father-son relationship. And so that's one thing, to be able to watch this video is one thing, like to see a, a little boy growing up with his father and his mother and, and everything be happy. Um, the fact that we get to see this video as fans of, of Van Halen and of Eddie Van Halen and the early stages of Eddie Van Halen and Valerie Bertinelli, who were like this superstar couple back in the day, um, is just, it's fairy tale-ish and it helps, helps fans heal at the same time because you get to see all the happiness and, you, and you're reminded of all, you know, the good stuff that he did as a, as a dad and, and we'll always have the music to, to rest on and to help us feel better. Um, but so <laughs> basically there doesn't seem to be anything wrong with this song and the accompanying video is hitting all the right feels. Where do you think Wolfgang is headed now? Like, is it going to be solo career and have we figured out if he's singing? I really think he is singing. I, I mean, further to our conversation uh, about it on nineties uh, now, yeah. <laughs> shameless plug. Um <laughs> I think that, well, he's always provided backing vocals when he's performed. So it, it's no stretch to think that he would be singing his song and clearly he's writing them. So uh, as a, a young man, still 29 years old, so he's a full on adult, but still he's got a lot of years ahead of him as far as how he will explore um, his future career. I think it's super bright because not only does he come from great lineage with his dad and with his uncle and with his experience with Van Halen, I think outside of that experience or because of that experience, he's got great contacts. He's got, he's established new friendships. He's toured the world. He's seen it all. And now if he's uh, looking to explore in a full on musical way, he's got uh, great resources. That's for sure. He's in a really, 
excellent position, and I'm sure he knows it. I don't think that he's uh, I don't think he's taking any of this for granted. Certainly not coming out of the loss of his dad. Also, I wanted to bring this up as we discussed uh, just moments ago. There doesn't really seem a path forward for Van Halen, nor should there be, obviously. But let's say we mm-hmm. were transposing this onto another band. Like, let's say Keith Richards of the Rolling Stones passed away. Would they also stop, you think? I'm totally guessing, but I would guess, yeah. Okay. I think that uh, people that are spending the dollars that they're spending to see Rolling Stones, and we're talking hundreds of dollars to see the Rolling Stones still, uh, you're going looking for the Mick and Keith combo. You've got the Ronnie Wood angle and certainly Charlie Watts on drums. Um, Without Keith, I think you're just playing the hits. And certainly it's Mick Jagger, Charlie Watts and Ronnie Wood. There's a, you know, those are three big names, but would they even consider uh, pursuing without Keith? I would be surprised if they did. But yet again, we've discussed how, you know, you're committed to your art and your music, and you want to still make music, I would, you know, imagine that they'd still write songs. It may not be Rolling Stones music, though. Right. Mm-hmm. I think he's a pretty big piece of that puzzle. Is there any band that you think that would, like, that is a big band that is sort of later on in years uh, that would continue on? Like, I'm just trying to think of one that would. Like, because like, I, and I brought Rolling Stones, I guess, because they seem super active usually and forward thinking and like still wanting to make music and tour the world. So I just was wondering if, you know, a Keith Richards, like, obviously I guess I was thinking like if Mick Jagger died, of course not. And obviously Keith, very important, but I was wondering if with the other three, they would have continued on, but I'm just wondering if there's another group in your mind that you'd think would venture forward that is still trying to do their thing and not just rely on. Well, I think, I, I think one that definitely is doing that is the who. Okay. They uh, they lost their drummer in 1978. They had two albums after that with uh, uh, Kenny Jones, who joined the band and played on drums. But after those two albums, that was it. Pete Townsend pursued his solo career. Roger uh, Daltrey pursued his solo career. They did their own things. Um, losing the drummer, losing Keith Moon uh, from The Who at that time, they, no one thought that they would have been able to to carry on. And certainly it wasn't the same without him. He's such a bombastic presence and a uh, bombastic drummer. Um, but then they did, they came back, they uh, toured again, then their bass player died, but then they still, they were making music. Roger Daltrey as the lead singer, primary lead singer, I should say. And, uh, and Pete Townsend still were making music and still are making music. So I think it, it comes down to wanting to do it. And, and I'm, again, those are two key figures in that band. All band's members are key figures. I'm not diminishing anybody's input. Sonically, vocally, you, uh, Pete Townsend's the songwriter, primarily, and Roger's the voice. Um, and they're still around. So <laughs> they're still at it. What, wh- where would you put... Uh, queen in all of this because they took their time but now they've got this resurgence you know and again i know it's it's queen and adam lambert like that's how they bill it um or close to that but yeah like where do they fall in uh same thing i think they found new life by uh by giving it a go and certainly adam lambert wasn't the first singer that uh that they uh, worked with paul rogers of bad company uh sang with queen for a while um i think what they've done in Hooking up with uh, Adam Lambert is is um, 
you know, introducing themselves to a, a new uh, generation of listeners. Not that they would need to. I think that music transcends age and and uh, demographics. But um, Adam Lambert at the time was a big deal for other things that he was doing. And now I think he's got a real strong association for being the guy that sings uh, Freddie Mercury's parts in Queen. Now, before we bounce, I did want to bring this up because when I saw the news, I was just ecstatic because I love uh, these three particular rock bands and knowing that their offspring have now started something is cool. So we found out that the sons of Scott Weiland and Slash from Guns N' Roses and Robert from Metallica have started a band called Suspect 208, which I still don't know what that means. It sounds nefarious, but that's fine because it's a rock band. Uh, so, so how did you feel about you know finding this out? Like there's this new generation of rockers. What I think is interesting is that it's kind of too bad that there's already a very successful band named Offspring. Right, it's true. <laughs> like it, it would have been, uh, it would have been perfect. Um, Suspect two hundred eight or two hundred eight. Who knows? I guess we'll learn to uh, to we'll come to learn what their band name means. But uh, they sound great. It's really cool. And you know what? I don't think that they could have named themselves anything. Um, specific, you know, like I think they had to go with a suspect 208. Offspring would have been great, but already taken. They can't be, uh, they, you know, while they're, they can promote the fact that their fathers are who they are. Um, <laughs> once they're out there, they got to, they got to perform literally, you know, and they got to sell it, rock it, make it happen. And uh, people are going to like it for, they'll be curious, I'm sure, to find out uh, what they sound like, these sons of rock stars, but, uh, but you know, you got to do it and you got to be able to play. It's one thing to have famous fathers or talented fathers. It's like uh, in any, uh, any arm of business, you know, like mm-hmm. your parents can help you get in, but once you're in, get your foot in the door, you got to be able to, to sell it. So I think based on what we've heard from them so far, which is minimal um, as a collective, rather, uh, I think I think they're going to be around for a while if they want to. I think that they're all talented musicians and and uh, artists, and it's nice to it's nice I think for rock music as a genre uh, to have new blood. And you know, again with the lineage, their lineage is established. So um, I think that even as young men, they would want to rock outside their parents' shadows, anyways. So I think that they'll be uh, playing harder to to prove themselves. What I thought was funny when I read the story is that, uh, you know, Scott Weiland's son, Noah, is the lead vocalist in this band, and then Robert's son uh, is playing bass in this band, uh, but that Slash's son, London, uh, not playing guitar, playing drums in this band. So it's kind of like, I'm sure he probably plays guitar as well, but it's just kind of like, I know, it's just kind of funny that it was like uh, almost mirroring each other, but not quite. Well, it's cool, too, I think, uh, to bring it full circle conversationally and bring it back to Van Halen. When uh, Eddie Van Halen and Alex Van Halen were growing up, each of them uh, first started with each other's instruments, meaning we have come to know Eddie Van Halen as this supreme guitar player and Alex Van Halen as this incredible drummer. Um, But when they started uh, getting into music, Alex was on guitar and Eddie was on drums. There's no question. I mean, this is when they were teenagers before they, you know, were, were making music professionally. Um, and I think that, you know, hey, let's, let, can I try that kind of thing happened? And <laughs> that was the right move. Yep, I think both. so. Like, like, I mean, they're, they're both noted musicians for their, uh, for their instruments. 
That's really cool. Well, I'm happy everything I think is is working as it should. Although obviously still very upset that Eddie passed away, and but I'm, I am happy to see um, Wolfgang sort of taking his time, but also um, moving ahead as he needs to because he's 29 and has lots of life to live. Oh yeah, totally. And uh, you know what? We're lucky as fans. We say that we've said this a few times, probably too many times, because we've had a a lot of loss in our uh, in our. Uh, we've lost a lot of our favorite musicians, so we've had a, enough. Uh, chance to reflect on each of them and we're very fortunate that we are left with the music it really like music helps period but when it's specific to missing someone like the artist that's made it listening to it really does soothe the soul it's true sharona thank you so much for your time i always appreciate when you're hanging out with us on the show I'm happy to be here. Thank you very much. That is our music editor, Sharon Hyland, and we'd love for you to also check out the podcast that Sharon and I co-host together called 90s Now, and you can find that at 90snow.com. The Kelly Alexander Show. Joining us on the show is guitarist, songwriter, and producer Pierre-Luc Ryu from Montreal, Canada, who has had quite the impressive resume working with artists like David Guetta, Katy Perry, Usher, Lady Gaga, Britney Spears, and Nick Jonas. Pierre-Luc, thank you so much for spending time with us on the show. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. So I have to start right from the, from the beginning. How did you get your start in music? You know what? It's so funny because, like, uh, as a kid, I asked my mom, how would you feel if I played the Montreal Forum? And she was like, well, you know, it's really hard to, you know, play for the Montreal Canadiens. And I was like, no, no, I mean, as a musician. It's like, I always wanted to be a musician. My start in music, I, I don't know, since... At the age of four years old, I've been just obsessed with it. And then, you know, uh, my my parents uh, got me a guitar, and then um, and then and then I was on I was on a roll. Now, was guitar I, always going to be your like spirit animal? Because I know you play other instruments, but that was that always going to be the one. You know, to be honest, I really wanted to play drums, but I I just figured you know it, it was kind of hard to make that happen as a kid. You know, at my parents' place and stuff. So I kind of settled on guitar. But then, um, you know, later on in life, you know, in university, I started playing drums. And, you know, it's like whenever, whenever you master an instrument, you really can express yourself with it. And I feel like, I don't know, guitar is almost like a, a second voice for me right now. So, yeah, I do play a bunch of stuff, but guitar is whatever gets me in, in the door whenever I work with uh, artists. That's really cool. Now, can you talk to us a little bit how someone from Montreal get so connected into the Los Angeles sector, if you will, of the music industry, which is obviously like, I would say the big sector of that in New York, but, and Nashville, but I think LA is bigger than any, anything right now. Yeah. LA is, has been uh, really good to me. And it, it's awesome to see. It's like every single city in the world is converging to LA to, to, to go and make music. Uh, you know, it's, it was total fluke. Uh, David Guetta's production partner was in Montreal he came to our studio and I, I had a room in that studio. And whenever he, when he came in, I just shacked up in there for 24 hours a day, just in on the off chance of me, like kind of bumping into him. And then eventually, obviously I did. And I said, well, listen, if you ever need guitar and your stuff, just hit me up. And then he did. And uh, one thing led to another. And that led to me working on the song Titanium by David Guetta. And that really kind of, that is really that that was really my ticket to to go to the to, to the US and you know just get into writing sessions and it's just like kind of that little street cred that <laughs> you need to make uh, stuff happen 
That's really cool. And what's also sort of interesting about our chat today is that I literally interviewed David Guetta last week. So, uh, yeah, it's crazy. So when they told me I could interview the guitar player that works with David, I'm like, this is all full circle business happening. So that's pretty cool. And uh, David, when I interviewed him last week, it was my first time ever interviewing him. And he's such a sweet and kind soul just in the 10 minutes that I had with him. And so I'm assuming that's how he is in real life when he's hanging out with you guys, right? He's amazing. He's, uh, he's helped me out so much uh, in my life and in my career. It's, it's amazing. Even on like a personal level, a professional level, he's just been literally always there for me. Uh, I've known him for about 10 years now. And, um, you know, he's, he's uh, connected me with uh, Celine Dion. He's connected me with uh, Will I Am. He's, uh, he's been like, he's been opening doors for me. He's, he's really awesome. I, I really like uh, David. Now, talk to us about getting that, I guess, would you consider then Titanium your first big break? Is that, is that the one? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, pr- professionally on a level where I can kind of start co-writing and, and start uh, working with other people, Titanium is like the, the thing that kind of... Uh, and, and also, not too long after David invited me to Ibiza, to his house, he does writing camps every year, and uh, he invites... Like, you know, the who's who of, of songwriters. And so in within that short period, uh, Titanium came out, and then I met a bunch of really, really high-level songwriters at his place. And both those things was really kind of the... I moved to L.A. like basically a year after that. Wow. Now, can you talk a little bit about the songwriting circle? Because I actually listened to uh, a podcast that is hosted by Ross Golan, who I'm sure you know who he is. Um, wow, Yeah. Yeah, and it's crazy because I love listening to all the songwriters and producers that he brings on on his show. And in listening to the show, because I think I've been listening to it now for about two years or so, it really seems that even though I think most people from the outside think that the music industry is really massive, it's actually really small when it comes to, I think, many aspects, but also particularly with songwriting. Can you confirm or deny that? Because it feels like there's a certain group, that I guess the high-level group, then there's not, I wouldn't say there's not that many of them, but it's like like a group that, that everyone knows that's the no, group. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. There's not that many of them. And it's so interesting. And, and, and it's, um, it's something I haven't quite wrapped my head around but to tell you the truth, I don't think it's that hard to be known in the songwriting circuit if you're really, really talented. And if, you're, if, you're, if you deliver like kind of really A-level, you know, top-tier songwriting, I think the industry is small enough that it's quite easy to, to be known. Now, to get to that level, it's really hard, but uh, you're, you're absolutely right. Like the... Um, you know, the people that write songs in LA, they're all the same people. And it's not just LA. You know, there's something amazing that this guy Max Martin did. Uh, he, he's, you know, kind of the elder statesman of yep. uh, pop songwriting. Mm-hmm. And he really made a bridge between uh, uh, Sweden and LA. And, um, it, you know, so, so, so he re- kind of made a bridge between those two cities. And I have a um, soft spot for Montreal and one of my, you know, whatever lifelong goals would be to, to, to make that same bridge happen between L.A. and Montreal. I think Montreal has tremendous talent and maybe the, the geographic, you know, reality makes it so that it, it, it's harder for us sometimes to get in the room. But um, 
I feel like if there was like a real bridge between Montreal and LA, you would see a lot more talent out of this city uh, on, on like, you know, on the, the international stage. What is it like when you are working with specifically, I'm going to say David right now, because of the uh, amount of collaborations that you've done with him? Like, I know that you play guitar on the song, but are you involved in the songwriting and the production of it? Like, how does that all go down? Yeah, I mean, it all depends. I'm in, in that circle, and especially in the sort of David Guetta family, I'm much more known as a guitar player. I did, you know, co-write and I did co-produce uh, some songs, uh, but in that sort of production family, I'm uh, I'm really involved in in you know as as a guitar player. But then the, that guitar playing and that family, so to speak, you know, brought me to like you know write and produce for other artists. Like I, you know, we did songs for Usher and Mary J. Blige and you know other people. And, and those I was you know, much more involved, you know, songwriting-wise and, and production-wise. Can you clarify for me, because, you know, as a radio announcer, you know, in Montreal on Virgin Radio, like, obviously, we play a lot of David Guetta, we play a lot of Calvin Harris, uh, you know, we play occasionally Steve Aoki, depending on, on what he's doing. And it's interesting because, you know, their names are obviously, like, you know, on the song, it's David Guetta featuring Sia or what have you, like, for example, with the latest Let's Love, which I know you played on as well. Their names are on the song, but how many people are actually helping to craft the song? Like, is it like an army of 10 that are making things happen? Because it's not just David Guetta. It's not just Calvin Harris, I'm assuming. You know what's funny? It's, I think a lot of people assume that um, at a certain level, and, and I would say that that's true for some artists. There's a reality of like the artist kind of sits behind and, you know, you have minions <laughs> sort of making the music <laughs> and then they, they go off and make millions. But in the, in, in the, and I can't speak for Calvin Harris because I don't know him personally, but speaking for David Guetta, knowing him personally and having seen him in the studio, he's very much involved. And he, I would say, you know, kind of like the Diddy uh, aspect, like uh, Puff Daddy, yep. uh, the, the way that, that, that he works, David has like the big picture in mind. He has a tremendous, uh, musical culture he knows like just about every record that's ever been done so he's like okay can you do that bass from that song with like that piano from that song and like that vibe and like let's make a record with that and he he's very much involved and he's very intuitive. Joining us on the show is guitarist, songwriter, and producer Pierre-Luc Rioux, and you can hit up his website for more info, including all the hit songs that he's played on for artists like David Guetta, Katy Perry, and Lady Gaga. So the website is pierrelucrioux.com. Let's talk a little bit about these other artists that you've worked with as well, because you just you know named off Usher, you named off uh, Mary J. Blige. When you're doing different styles, because obviously if we look at David uh, Guetta, for example, that's obviously usually EDM stuff that's going or pop stuff that you're probably working on with him. But like Mary J. Blige is usually like R&B and so would Usher, I would say, uh, for the most part. So do you have to like change your brain pattern when you're doing different genres? Definitely. You know, when uh, we work with David, we're, well, you know, all over the place. But like the writing camps, it's like, you know, in Ibiza or L.A. also. You know, for for the Usher records, we worked in Atlanta, and like that's a completely different scenario, completely different vibe. I would say that you know, growing up in Montreal, you have so many musical influences that it's like it's not about you know. I think everything's there, but you definitely have to tap into a different part of your creativity. 
Most definitely. We've talked a lot about sort of Los Angeles and you being back here in Montreal. And obviously with what's going on in the world right now, I'm assuming you're mainly here in uh, Canada for the time being, I would, I would think. But w- when things are normal and you are kind of going back and forth between Los Angeles and Montreal, like, do you come to Montreal for downtime? And is L.A. like work, work, work? Like, how does that work for you? Definitely. I do work here as well, more on the film and TV side of things. But uh, whenever I'm in L.A., it's completely... Uh, tunnel vision. Uh, it's like, you know, my family is in Montreal and uh, my, you know, high school friends and everything are, are all here. So whenever I'm in LA, it's uh, completely focused on work. And, uh, you know, when I'm back here, I try to, you know, go to restaurants and have fun, but still do music. And I do a lot of sessions uh, remote uh, because I also work with people because a part of, of David's crew is in Europe. So even if I'm in LA, I always end up working via Skype or you know, Dropbox and all, and all of that. I wanted to actually pull you back to with regards to um, the situation that the world is in today. And I know that, that uh, David's song with Sia, Let's Love, was made during uh, quarantine or lockdown or whatever you want to call it. And so, because he had mentioned to me in our interview last week that he was in Miami, she was in Los Angeles. Uh, I guess, when they started the whole situation with Let's Love. So how was it like for you? Like, at that time, were you in Los Angeles? Were you in Montreal? Were you sending tracks via, like you said, Skype or FaceTime or what have you? Yeah, like, I was in Montreal. Uh, David's production partner was in Amsterdam. David was in Miami. And Sia was in Los Angeles. And it happened. And <laughs> it's uh, that's just today's reality. I guess you have to make the best with... Uh, you know, what you have. And it's, it's crazy what's happening in the world, but I consider myself really fortunate to just be being, you know, able to keep working in, in, in the, you know, the current situation. Do you think that going forward, things are really going to be different? I know that, you know, even in, in the world of radio, for example, like we used to do a lot of in-person interviews if like the band was coming into town or the artist was coming into town. But now like we're doing everything either by phone or by Zoom. And so and in a way, I can't imagine it really fully ever going back. I just think like even artists, if they're dropping an album, you know, instead of traveling to Montreal, Toronto, Vancouver, or Calgary or what have you, they might stay in Toronto and just pop out a bunch of Zoom interviews. And so I'm wondering for you, like, and, and musicians in your shoes, like, will that be more of the thing, even when things go back to normal? Although I know that it's often more important to be creative together, but do you think you'll get more gigs even just not phoning it in, but phoning it in? <laughs> um, you know, that's a very good question. And, you know, it's interesting because my first love is live music. I've, you know, I, I come from the live you know, touring aspect. And I'm, I'm currently in a band called Child. And we toured the US and toured Europe and everything was awesome. And then COVID happened and then all <laughs> the tour dates uh, were canceled. And, you know, I was listening to this podcast the other day and the host was talking about, you know, there's a lot of like stay at home, you know, technology, um, you know, apparatus, whatever that, that we have that we use to, for work now. And people were like, well, What's going to stay? What's not going to stay? And I, um, I think that humans need proximity. So I think that, uh, yeah, for sessions, you know, maybe some of it is going to stay remote, but live shows and, well, yeah, live shows, I think, are definitely going to come back. I can't see a world in which uh, live shows are as 
uh, impactful over Zoom. I just, unless it's like virtual reality or something drastic happens, uh, I think the the live, you know, the Oceaga vibe is going to come back. I pray to God it's coming back. <laughs> I, I, I'm with you. I'm praying right <laughs> beside you. I read too during some of the research I was doing for our chat today that were you on tour with Lady Gaga? Did I read that correctly? Like, were you were you her guitarist on tour? I I played some shows with her and for her. It's it's so funny. You know, one funny anecdote is that whenever she um, started. Uh, there was this club in the Laval called Mumba. Yep. And she she had her, her anniversary at Mumba. And so they brought a cake and the whole thing. And, you know, she did a show in Montreal and then the after party was at Mumba. And the, the, the you know, the you know show of the night was me playing for her. And we ended up playing together. And it, it was just unreal. And that's the first time I met her. And then after that, I had the you know good fortune of playing on some of her records, but um, I, I was never like on a like you know world tour right there. That would have been great though. Do you want to do that? Like I know you said you're in your in your band, but would you ever want to be like um, let's say like a Dave Barry who I know has gone out with Janet Jackson and Cher, I think, and there's a, probably a bunch of others that I don't know, but he was like her touring guitarist for like, like the longest time, uh, Janet Jackson. Like, do you would you want to get into that? You know what? As a kid. I grew up wanting that until I, you know, now I, I wouldn't. What I really want is to be in control of my, you know, as much as I can, of my fate and my destiny. And um, that's why I started my band with my uh, my partner, Yanni. Uh, the idea was that, you know, because whenever you're a songwriter or a producer, you write songs and then you somebody else has to sing them. And so they have to have a vision or the timing or their team has to, you know, somebody has to okay your creative decisions. And there's a big aspect of like, you know, filmmaking that we love. Long story short, all of that is coming together in our band. And that's all the stuff that we tried to make happen with other people that just didn't quite happen. So in, in my band, there's the songwriting aspect the production aspect, and the live aspect. So I wouldn't trade that for any gig in the world. I think that's the, that's the ultimate for me. What message would you have for, let's say, an up-and-coming Montreal musician who's listening to this and um, wants to do what you're doing, where you're getting to play on these songs for A-level artists, and you're also doing your own creative outlets? It might sound a bit cliche, but the, the number one thing that is, that, that's going to set you apart is uh, not quitting. You know, a big reason is like, I'm not necessarily the most talented or the most whatever uh, good looking or, you know, it's like, name it. I just don't quit. And that's, that's really what sets me apart, I think, from other people. And so if you're a young uh, guitar player or just a young musician, songwriter, whatever, uh, I would say just don't quit. And um, there's this amazing YouTube video about Neil Gaiman, and he says, you know, if life is hard, make good art. If life is good, make good art. If life is, uh, you know, if you have somebody deaf in the family, make good art. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it'll, it'll just happen. I wanted to ask you, too, out of all the A-level artists that you've worked with, do you have a favorite? And I'm sure it's David Guetta, but do you have other favorites? Mm -hmm. Like, who, who's up there? Okay, 
somebody I would love to work with that I haven't worked with that would be my favorite would be Frank Ocean, for sure. And the favorite person that I have worked with, I would say, I would say Lady Gaga, uh, because I think she's the most iconic person. Uh, you know, there's, you know, Katy Perry is, is, you know, she's a gigantic name. And it, it, it was a blessing to, to be able to collaborate on a song. But Lady Gaga just has icon status. And I feel like that's, that, you know, I'm really proud of it. And also Celine Dion. Uh, I think uh, that was a big step for, for my French-Canadian family uh, to, to, to say that I worked, I, I worked with Celine Dion. I think they were really proud. So that was a fun fun gig. That's awesome. When you're doing these productions, like with a Lady Gaga, with a Katy Perry, with an Usher, uh, with David Guetta, like obviously we know David's in the room with you, but like when you're doing, let's say, a Lady Gaga song or even the Katy Perry song, like are they there when you're recording your parts? Like how does that work? So in the case of uh, Katy Perry and Lady Gaga, they weren't in the room. The Lady Gaga thing, she was um, working a lot with uh, Will I Am also at the time, if I remember correctly. So it was mostly through him. And uh, Katy Perry, I was just working with these amazing producers in, in LA called Monsters and Strangers. They're on a complete tear right now. And um, yeah, they brought me into the project and I'm, I'm super grateful to them. But I didn't get to... Uh, work with Katy Perry just with her. It was mostly with the production team. What is up next for you? Like, what do you have coming down the line? The thing I'm most excited about is that we're about to release early next year the our second EP with Child. So that's going to be really exciting. And also collaborating on um, Akon's next album. So, um, you know, th- that is like... Not a toss-up because, you know, it is what it is. But, you know, in the songwriting game, I just don't want to, you know, um, you're never sure until the the song is out. You know, your song can be added in or (laughs) stripped away at the very last second. But so far, I'm pretty confident uh, that, 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 you know, that that I'm in there. So, yeah, Akon's album, that's going to be fun. Akon is like, he's also been, I met him like 10 years ago, I think. And um, he's also really been like um, kind of a, a really positive person in my life. He, he's, he's been super helpful. So I'm, I'm, it's like kind of full circle that I get to, you know, co- you know produce on on his album. I'm extremely grateful. Now you've mentioned, obviously throughout our chat, uh, just the different artists you've worked with. And again, like we, like David Guetta, Usher, uh, Lady Gaga, Katy Perry, Akon now. Um, so I have to ask you this, apart from your family and friends, who is the coolest person that you could call up right now or text right now? I guess Usher. <laughs> cool guy. Yeah. How about Usher? Is that a good, good, uh, <laughs> good enough answer? I That's pretty cool. So right now you could like put Usher on FaceTime if you wanted. It could. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. cool. That's cool. You win. That's a good one. That's a good one in the phone. Pierre, look, thank you so much for your time. It's been so awesome to speak with you. Thanks so much for, 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 for calling. I really appreciate it. That is guitarist, songwriter, and producer Pierre-Luc Rioux. You can hit up his website for more information, pierrelucrioux.com. As always, thank you so much for spending time with us on the show this week, and a big shout-out to our guests, David Guetta and Pierre-Luc Rioux. My thanks, of course, to our super producer, Adam Brissot, and don't forget that you can listen to us on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, 
Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to grab all of our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.